Welcome in to Blitz in Buckets. My name is Kane Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-host Jaden Kozak in the faraway lands of Cambridge, Maryland, as I've settled into Lexington, Kentucky, University of Kentucky here. Jaden, how you been, man? Feeling good, feeling good. It's been very, very cold here recently. Not that really is the truth. That. that is the truth. It's been snowing here for the past three days. And I didn't think Lexington, Kentucky got snow, if I'm being completely honest. So chilly here, but we've got some hot sports coming towards you. That was a nice segue, you know, you like that? So let's get into it. We got a lot to cover. We got some NBA action. We've got some Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Super Bowl preview. We've got a lot to dive into. So let's get right into it. So I will start with the 76ers who have been hot as of late. And Jaden, I know you're a 76ers fan and I know you love to see that. What are you thinking of their recent play? Uh, it's, it's making me excited to see, um, especially with a, with a tough win the other night against Indiana. Uh, without Embiid, you know, a big win like that, that's something that we've struggled with all year. So it was nice to see us especially come back from down 20 to rattle back against a healthy Indiana team. So that was something nice to see. It's nice to get our rotation pieces working. We had, you know, some of the Dwight Howard was giving us good minutes. Simmons played well. We just got to keep those guys aggressive. And right. as I mean, I've seen a lot of power rankings with us at number one. So I know it's still early and you can only take that with so much, but I feel good to start the year like this. Right. There was a lot of debate whether the win against the Lakers most recently was a statement win. And personally, I think it was definitely a statement win for them. They, at the time, the Lakers were first in the West and they were the best team in the league. And 76ers showed up and beat them. And I thought that was really impressive. Yeah. So couple of stats for you I'll throw your way. Simmons and Embiid together in the games that they played together in January, they're 10 and 1, which is obviously very impressive and that includes two wins against Boston and a win against LA. And their only loss comes to the Nets on January 7th and at, that was before the Harden trade, but the Nets weren't too shabby before the Harden trade either. So, not a bad loss. And Bede has some really impressive MVP consideration stats this year, possibly. I think he's, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's put it, it looks on paper, it looks like it. I mean, 28.3 points per game, that's fourth in the league. 11.1 rebounds per game, that's eighth in the league. And I thought this was surprising. He leads the league in player efficiency rating with mm-hmm. 31.34. So do you think what do you think his odds are for MVP this year? I think it looks good. I think as of right now, you know, you're looking at him. I, if he's not your front runner, then, you know, it's really tough to make a statement against him. You got KD is probably in there, but he, it's going to be really hard to carry that narrative with all the help that he's got. Jokic, I think, is his biggest contender because of the way that he's played. He's in a similar situation in Denver where he's got pieces around him, but none of them are like, you know, as good as he is. So he's, he's the definite alpha on that team. And he's in the West and he's got that team playing really well. And then LeBron's always going to be in the conversation. You know, he's going to do what he does. And the narrative around, you know, however, whatever year he's been in the league, it's 18. Last year, was it's the same thing every year. So there's always going to be a narrative around LeBron. One, two guys, actually, that I'm, you know, surprised that haven't been in it 
just due to their play, honestly, is Giannis and Luca. I think those were a lot of guys top two for, Definitely. you know, coming into the season. I know Giannis, I believe, had the second highest odds just because of, you know, voter fatigue, the same thing that's happened with LeBron for so long. But Luca was the guy with the highest odds. He was my MVP pick, and the Mavericks have been struggling, and, you know, I don't think that's entirely due to him, but it feels a lot like empty stats. So Great. Definitely. I mean, I also had Luca as my MVP favorite, and it, it shocked me so far this year. I mean, I'll, by a lot of people, he was the MVP candidate that they had front running before the year started, and it's just been disappointment. But besides that, let's hop back into the Sixers. Ben Simmons also looking pretty good this year. He's averaging an okay 12.9 points per game. A lot of it's because he's just not a shooter. And 8.3 rebounds per game quite impressive and a surprising 7.9 assists per game. That's six in the league. So he's definitely dishing it out for his teammates there. And I mean, you guys have the looks of a really solid team. I mean, you obviously you've got Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris, when he's on, he's one of the top players in the league. Like I'm not saying top 10, top 15, anything like that, but he's, he's a really solid player. Yeah, it was something that, you know, a lot of people in Philly did not like the money that we gave him last year because, you know, we gave him Jimmy's money. And, mm -hmm. you know, Jimmy takes the heat to the finals. So we were extremely unhappy about that. And he's sitting there averaging like 16, 17. But the hire of Doc Rivers was very smart by the Sixers front office because that was when Tobias had his best years. So Doc really knows how to use him. And you can see that so far this year. You can see that with and beat off the floor, he's able to carry the offense the way that, you know, Ben kind of can't just due to his, you know, offensive uh, limitations, I guess I'd say. But the way that Embiid's playing, you know, the whole question of them not being able to coexist, but Embiid is just a monster. He's getting to the point now where, you know, he doesn't have to be on or be hitting to score 20, 25 points a night because he gets to the line so much. It's kind of how Harden is where he can get to the line so easily. Right. And get his buckets that way. Yeah. And he's putting up pretty decent stats this year, almost 20 points per game. He's got 19.9 points per game and 6.9 rebounds. That's about as much as you can ask as your third option on the team. Yeah. yeah. So really good stuff out of the Sixers. But if you look at the East, you've gotten the big and scary Nets. Now, since James Harden came to town, they're six and three, which is just not too impressive. And They've only played. We had a small sample size when we went to analyze last week, but they've had four games together, the trio, Harden, Durant, and Irving. And they've had three wins since their double, double overtime loss to Cleveland. And one surprising stat that stood out to me, Harden is averaging the least amount of points for between those three guys when they played together. And right now he's averaging the most assists in the league, 11.1. So do you think it's looking more like Harden's the guy who's going to dish it out? Obviously he's going to have his scoring output, but will he be the one distributing the ball in that system? I, I think he's the best distributor of the ball. Like even though, you know, Kyrie is their point guard, he distributes the ball best of all, but their offense is not what I'm worried about. It's them defensively being able to stop guys. I think, you know, a, a perfect example is Washington. Washington is just like them, but obviously a lot, you know, more limited offensively. They don't have those three guys, but they lost to them the other night because they can't, they cannot defend. Can't they guard can't. a parked car as put by Bradley yeah. Beal. 
Yeah. So I think they're going to look for, you know, a McGee in the buyout market. I mean, if Drummond makes it there, maybe, I don't know, but I've seen them look, I've seen all that they were looking at Kevin Love. I saw that they were looking at Beal. If he hits the market, I saw that they were looking at Reddick, which makes absolutely no sense for them. Yeah. Because I saw rumors of Reddick going to Boston and yeah. I don't want that. I, I'd welcome him back in Philly, him and Seth Curry out there with Ben, Tobias, and Embiid, I, I really think that's going to cause a lot of problems for teams because, you know, you've got yeah. Embiid down there that you got to pay attention to and you put them two in the corners. Seth Curry is the best three-point shooter in the league right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and J.J., when he's on, is definitely top five three-point shooter in the league. My problem with him coming to Boston, because there has been some rumors that he might head to Boston, we're too small how it is. Like, our team is extremely small. What we needed over this past offseason was a center. I was an advocate for that. And we went out and got Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson is not the kind of center I was looking for. I mean, we just played the Lakers, and we lost in a really close game. It was a bummer. But you just look out on the floor. The Lakers, I mean, they're large how it is. But our team, compared to them, it's it, we look like tiny people. Just – we, we don't have any size whatsoever. So I don't want J.J. Redick in Boston. But in Philly, I mean, I imagine you guys would welcome him back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I did mention the Lakers. Let's dive a little bit into their recent struggles. They've lost two of their last three games. Going into that Philly game, they were the best team in the NBA. They were leaders of the Western Conference, and they were looking phenomenal. But they've dropped the last two of their three games – that includes the loss to Philly and a loss to Detroit. Granted, that loss to Detroit, they didn't have Anthony Davis. And in those, the, the game that they won was against Boston. It hurt me. But they ran them really close. Anthony, Anthony Davis turned it over in the final seconds. And that was our opportunity to win right there. We, we should have had it. And we had about 10 seconds, 10 to 12 seconds on the shot clock. And it, I mean, in the game in general. And I really thought we could pull it out. I mean, we've got playmakers on our team. It's just yeah. we got to capitalize on turnovers like that. But then Kemba comes down, shoots a shot. I believe he was – I saw a stat. He was like one for 11 going into yeah, that shot. That. Mm-hmm. And he shoots it, miss. Tice, Tice when he's on, Daniel Tice when he's on, I'm his biggest fan. He can shoot, kind of. He can play defense, kind of. But then, like, sometimes some of those things look really good, and then some of the time they don't look like they're present at all. Yeah. So he gets the rebound off Kemba's miss, and he goes for a tap-in and misses, and then we lose. That's two opportunities that we failed upon off of an Anthony Davis turnover. How often are you going to get that, you know, in the final seconds of the game? Jalen Brown was wide open in the corner, and Jalen was making his shots, unlike Kemba. So – I hated to see that loss, but in general, what it means for LA, I mean, they could have easily lost that game to Boston and lost three of their last three games. And with their recent struggles, the loss puts them at third in the West. Are you concerned about the Lakers? I'm not concerned yet. I think a lot of it is, you know, they were, they were getting back in, they were winning games, but they just, their season ended three months ago. 
No, mm -hmm. not many teams have had to do that. And you saw the other team that had to do that. Miami is sitting at 13th in the East. Granted, they've had some injury problems and some COVID issues, but they're still sitting at 13th in the East. I imagine they'd pick it back up. But I have no worry about the Lakers right now. I still think that they are a top two or three team in the West without a problem. I still think that bearing any you know injury to LeBron or AD or some kind of collapse, they make it to the conference finals at least. So I'm, I'm not worried about them in the slightest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now they do have some competition in the West for that top spot if they're still aiming for that. One team that's looked really impressive, the Jazz. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. Gobert is third in the league in rebounds with 13.8 rebounds per game. And as a reigning defensive player of the year in years past, he's up to 2.7 blocks per game, which is second in the league. It's really impressive. I like what I'm seeing from the Jazz. What are your thoughts? I think that they've improved – greatly from what we saw in the bubble when they took the Nuggets to seven because, A, they got Bojan. That's a big help for them because it helps them space the floor a lot. And they also do not have to bring out so many guys that can't contribute off the bench. Clarkson can now lead that bench, which is something that he had problems with, you know, inconsistency problems with last year, especially in the bubble. But now he is, you know, one of the front runners for most improved and sixth man of the year. And I think he really helps boost them when Donovan Mitchell comes off the floor because last year the problem was when Donovan Mitchell came off the floor, their whole bench was like a net negative 10, 15. Like it was, it was bad. So, you know, as long as you can keep them in it, as long as their bench can keep them, you know, as a net neutral in the game, they should be fine with their starting lineup. They've got, you know, Gobert in the middle. They should be more than fine. I don't know if I trust them moving forward. You know, they've still – they've obviously got huge competition with the Clippers, Lakers, the Nuggets. You know, I think some other teams in the West are going to, you know, make a run at them. The Suns are starting to mm -hmm. turn it around a little bit. But I don't, I don't know about the Jazz. I've never been very confident in Mitchell. I like the way he plays, but I don't know if he is the number one guy yeah. on a top team like that. I agree. But we'll see. He's got some mediocre stats this year. I mean, he leads the team in points per game, but he's only averaging 22.8, which is not stellar, you know. Mike Conley leads the team in assists with averaging 6.2 assists a game. I'm a huge Mike Conley fan, personally. I loved him when he was with Memphis, and he's looked pretty solid with the Jazz so far. Any other teams you want to touch on as far as competing with the Lakers in the West? Or I think the Clippers have showed a lot. So far, I mean, I know like, you know, the whole collapse from last year just completely made people forget about them coming into this year. And all people were talking about is the Lakers, but the Clippers are not something to mess around with again this year. I hope that we get to see a Clippers-Lakers playoff series at some point. That's right. all I want. I was just so discouraged by their playoff performance. Yeah. Like. Who wouldn't be? I know. And they lost Doc Rivers, you know, and now they're up to Ty Lue. Ty Lue, I don't think Ty Lue can coach anything. I don't think he has any talent in the coaching arena. So I just feel kind of ugly about the Clippers, but you can't deny the talent there. Oh. You know, they're built like an NBA, NBA championship team. So we'll see what happens. It's still early on, but got some things unfolding early. Now let's transition over to some NFL news this week. We have some trade news. Da -da -da, da -da -da, little ESPN tidbit for you but Stafford leaving the Lions for a 2022 first round pick a 2023 first round pick and a 2021 third round pick from the LA Rams and golf and golf and Jared Goff definitely what are your thoughts on the trade 
I think that that is about as close to a win-win for both sides at I've seen really? in a while. Just so like the initial reaction I remember being at work and seeing it and showing it to a couple guys was like two firsts yeah. and golf for Stafford. But the thing is, so Detroit wins because that team isn't going anywhere. You get rid of Stafford while he's still got value. And they've got some – they've got pieces. They don't have a lot of pieces, but they've got pieces. They've got, you know, two pretty solid offensive linemen. Hawkinson's pretty good. They just Kenny put Galladay. Number, yeah. They just put a three into Okuda last year. So, I think there's talent DeAndre there. Swift, too. Yeah, Swift. They've got uh, – yeah, Galladay will probably be a tag and trade or they might end up letting him walk just because they don't really – he doesn't really fit right. their timeline. Yeah. But bringing in golf, you know, kind of as a, as a bridge – uh, and especially because they can take on that cap space because they're probably not going to be competing for a while. And, you know, the Rams get rid of golf's contract, and that's why it costs two first. It probably doesn't cost two first if you're getting rid of golf. But the Rams get Stafford, which I think, you know, takes them up a tier in the NFC, Definitely. you know, because they look like they were going to be, you know, a contender. You know, maybe they can beat the Packers. Maybe they can beat one of these teams. But, with golf, they had to play so mistake-free with defense, like they had to get, you know, turnovers and all this stuff for them to be able to beat these teams. Now, Stafford makes their margin of error a lot bigger. You know, they can, mm -hmm. you know, because he can do a lot more than golf can because basically everything that golf did was schemed up for him by McVay. So now Stafford is able to make his own plays within that offense. Right. My thoughts on the trade, I, I'm a huge Matthew Stafford guy, but – I agree with your initial thoughts. I still think they gave up or the LA Rams gave up way too much for Stafford. Two first round picks for an aging vet. I mean, it is Matthew Stafford, but two first plus Jared Goff. I'm still a big Jared Goff guy. He did look horrendous at times in the playoffs, but he's had previous success and he's still a young guy. And he did, had the thumb surgery in the playoffs and that's not going to do well for anybody. So, and that was when he was on the highest stage. So, and it looked bad in front of everybody. So people wrote Jared Goff off. I'm not ready to write Jared Goff off yet. I think now in Detroit, I, I definitely think LA was about, they were definitely moving on from Jared Goff. And is he going to do well in Detroit? I say, let's put together some stats, fantasy stats for Jared Goff next year. I think he goes over or under on 3,000 passing yards for the year. I don't, it depends on, A, if, you know, if they bring Galladay back. I think Marvin Jones is ending up going to walk, so that's their top two receivers gone. I mean, they maybe, you know, look to draft the guy, but I think he comes in with a chip on his shoulder, same way the Stafford does, but, you know, everything, like I said, everything that was that he did in L.A. was schemed up for him by McVay. Now – you let a number one pick, you know, kind of do his own thing. You know, he can mm -hmm. not uh, – he's obviously not, you know, doing his own offense, making it his own offense. But he can now, you know, kind of get out of what McVay wanted him to do, you know, not be so stiff and look to your first read every single time and, you know, prove that he is an elite quarterback. He is worth a number one pick. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I just – I think that I think it was a good-ish trade. I feel like the Rams gave up a lot, but if you take it, if you just take Stafford, if you look at the idea of getting Matthew Stafford, I love it for the Rams. I think they're one of those teams that 
they made it to the playoffs, but they're a good quarterback away from being, they have a Super Bowl defense. We were talking about that in a lot of our previous podcasts. And you put a guy like Matthew Stafford, who's been underrated his entire career, give him some weapons. Now he's got Robert Woods. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got a young developing tight end in Tyler Higby. And he's got Cam Akers, who in the playoffs look phenomenal. And for the rest of the year, once they gave in and realized that Malcolm Brown was not the way to go and Daryl Henderson was not the way to go, they finally went to Cam Akers and he, he took the starting job easy and now he has it. I think they've got a lot of good pieces. The defense is there. I really like the Rams coming in the next year. Yeah, I do too. So. I think the way that, you know, a championship window closes so quickly and we saw that, you know, with many teams throughout the last few years, when you've got an opportunity like the Rams believe that they have, and I think they do, you got to push on it. You got to make that push. And that was a problem, you know, like say with the Packers, like they had a championship window. They lost in the NFC championship last year. They spent a first on Jordan Love. They spent a second on a third string running back and a third on a fullback. They made no push to move forward, but the Rams are making that push to move forward. And that may be the difference next year. Definitely. Definitely. I like the Rams next year. And I like the trade overall. A lot to give up, but I really like the Rams' outlook for next year. So speaking of trades, the other big piece yet to move, Mr. Deshaun Watson from the Texans. Now, the new GM over in Houston, Nick Casario, made some comments this week at the new head coach's introductory press conference. He said, and I quote, organizationally, I just want to reiterate our commitment to Deshaun Watson. We look forward to the opportunity to spend more time with him here this spring. Once we get started, we have zero interest in trading the player. How do you think, do you think this affects at all his odds of being traded? I don't think so to a certain extent. I don't understand the whole, you know, I don't care if you don't want to play here. We're going to hold you on our roster. We'll, you know, fine you and we'll hold your contract for every game that you miss. I don't understand that, especially if you're a team that A, does not have a quarterback that's ready and B, does not have a team that's ready at all. It's not like you're going to be like, okay, well, we'll sit you and we'll use this guy and we'll still make the playoffs. They are going to be like two and 14. Why not trade him, get assets, get young players to develop that you can actually use now, get them into mm -hmm. your system and figure everything out. It's rebuild never, time in Houston. Yeah. It's rebuild yeah. time. You had, there's no other options there, you know, yeah. even with Deshaun, you, the, obviously the results this year were not great, you know? So you trade, like you were saying, you trade them away for some picks and you just start the rebuild there. You're the laughing stock of the league right now, even more so than the Jets, because the blatant disrespect was so obvious to everyone. And now it's just, I, I saw a report today that Texans players were happy for Deshaun and they were like hoping that he finds his way out of Houston. And by veteran players, I, I can't help but think of J.J. Watt right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's I'm, another guy that ends up out of Houston after this year, whether it be a cut or a trade or something like that. Hope he ends up in Pittsburgh to finish his career with his brothers. That would be amazing. <laughs> but I, I think the Watts, like, I don't know what your pitch now is to Watson. If you're the new GM, like I know you've got new guys, you've got uh, the head coach, but it's not like you went out and got his guy. It's not like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. We're going to go get your guy that you want. We're not going to go get the enemy. Now they went and got Cully who was, it's like, they're trying to screw it up. He was the Ravens wide receivers coach for the last two years. They were, I believe, 
32nd and 29th in the last two years in receiving yards from receivers. And he was the Bills quarterback coach in 2017 and 2018 in the like Tyrod Taylor era. And they were like bottom four in passing in both years. So I don't understand that hire at all. And I don't think that changes Deshaun Watson's want out of Houston. Yeah, definitely. About the head coach. I mean, I watched his press conference. It, he just doesn't bring anything new to the table. He just seems like your run-of-the-mill, random football coach. Like, the new guy in Detroit brings a lot. He comes out to the press conference, says some crazy stuff, and it, it's bringing a new energy to Detroit. You know, that's exciting. But you're not bringing anything exciting to Houston by hiring David Culley. I just I don't see it and like you were saying his his results in the past weren't that great but we'll see we'll see I still think Deshaun Watson's going to be dealt I think he's definitely played his last game for the Houston Texans yeah so whether they hold on to him or not yet to be seen now the big kahuna of this week we had did you hear about the Super Bowl I heard we got a Super Bowl I did I did I did yeah Apparently, it's supposed to be a big deal. Kansas City, Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. we'll Mom's see. Brady, you know. Decent TV. Kansas oh City God. in that game. Right, right. Kansas City, favored by three. And what we got to look at first is their Week 12 matchup. Kansas City took it by three. So, really close game. Tampa Bay put up 14 points in the fourth, but it just wasn't enough to come back. Mahomes in that game. 492 passing yards and three touchdowns. Now, Mahomes, we come to expect a lot of the same from Mahomes in this week. All-time versus Brady, two and two. So, and possibly, I mean, recent Tom Brady comments seems like he's going to play until he's 65 years old. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But in possibly what might be Tom Brady's last game, and this will be the tiebreaker. You know, Mahomes, Brady. I mean, obviously not all time, but between the two. So we'll see how that goes. But they do have some tackle problems. Their protection might not be on this week. So that that was a problem that Green Bay faced last week when, you know, Bakhtiari was out. They had to move Billy Turner out to left tackle, and they had a first-year starter in Rick Wagner out at right tackle. Rodgers had 32 pressures from that Tampa Bay front seven and Brady had five on him. Mm. That just sounds, I mean, I know it's obviously two different defenses, but that's just ridiculous. 32 pressures at Rodgers and their secondary also played amazing without Antoine Winfield. It felt like every throw that Rodgers was able to complete was either like a, you know, a short gimme or one that he had to fit through a very, very tight window. So if they can keep that pressure at Mahomes, I think they make it interesting especially with, you know, two outside tackles. You know, Eric Fisher going out last week with an Achilles injury. Mitchell Schwartz has been out for a little bit now. I think if they can put pressure on Mahomes, that makes this game a lot more interesting. That, you know, allows the, I, I guess you would even say, lack of the Bucks' offense compared to Kansas City, be able to make this a game. But if they can't bring that pressure, I think the Chiefs should win it handily. Yeah, but they, they're they losing their two targeting tackles, I think. And Tampa Bay defense is no slouch. Obviously, the pass rush is there. And they've got uh, their secondary, a lot of hype coming into this year, but kind of disappointed in the regular season. 
but a lot of talent. You got Antoine Winfield. I'm a big Carlton Davis guy myself. So that defense, and compared to the Chiefs, the Tampa Bay clearly has a better defense, in my opinion. So I think Tampa could give him problems, but it's Pat, it's Patty Mahomes, you know. Previous matchup, 492 yards, three touchdowns. And if it, I mean, he's coming near 500 yards there. You that know? game felt – I mean, you you remember that was the Tyreek Hill 200 yes. yards and two or three touchdowns in the first quarter or something something right. ridiculous along those lines. That game was over at halftime. Like, yeah. it looks like it's, – it's 27-24. It looks close. It wasn't close. Yeah. Those points were scored when it didn't matter. Right. But I think that definitely makes the Bucks. you know, you saw what you did wrong. You're able to correct it. But one thing that I've said is the Chiefs have turned it on outside of the playoffs. The Chiefs have turned it on twice this year. They turned it – well, three times. They turned it on against Baltimore, beat the crap out of them. They turned it on against New Orleans, beat them. They turned it on against Tampa Bay and beat them. So, I mean, if this is what we're going to see moving forward, I don't see a way that the Chiefs don't win, but mm-hmm. something something just keeps telling me the Bucs are going to win this game. I don't know what it is. It just it's, keeps overtaking me. It's Super Bowl time, Brady, man. You yeah. cannot go wrong with that, you know. But more on that Tyreek game, 13 catches, 269 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a video game. Those are video game numbers for Tyreek. And in the playoffs, he's been very impressive as well. Eight catches and 110 yards receiving versus Cleveland, and nine catches and 172 yards against Buffalo. So it's not like he's slowing down anytime soon. Now, Will Carlton Davis and the Bucs secondary maybe get a hold of Tyreek this game? Now, let me throw some stats your way. Major receivers in the playoffs so far. McLaurin, against the Bucs defense, held to six catches and 75 yards. Michael Thomas, zero catches, zero yards. And Devontae Adams, nine catches, 67 yards, and a touchdown, but all held well under 100 receiving yards. So the secondary is looking pretty good. Now, Tyreek, a lot different player. He's going to get loose, and that's how he racks up all that yardage, you know. So, and you can't really, you can't say, hey, Carlton Davis, go guard Tyreek the whole game. It's not going to happen. Tyreek's running all over the field. He's in the slot. He's on the outside. It's, you don't know what's going to happen there. So, but I thought it was interesting that they held major receivers in the NFL in the playoffs to under 100 receiving yards in each game. And Michael Thomas, zero catches, zero yards receiving. So definitely something to note there. Another major key for the Kansas City offense, <clears throat> Travis Kelsey. In the regular season matchup, eight catches and 82 yards. So Travis Kelsey, um, hands down, Best tight end in the league this past year. Granted, George Kittle was out, but hands down. And Travis Kelsey is going to keep doing it. Interesting tidbits on the Tampa Bay defense versus the tight end. Middle of the pack as far as yards allowed to the tight end. 16th most yards allowed to the tight end during the regular season. But tied for seven most touchdowns allowed to tight ends during the regular season. So... Travis Kelsey is definitely a red zone threat. He could definitely catch two touchdowns. So, and in the playoffs, kind of a different story for Tampa Bay's defense. Like I was saying, they've held the major receivers in the NFL to less than 100 yards receiving in each of their games. And against Jared Cook, 28 yards receiving. 
in the playoff matchup. And the combination of Green Bay's Mercedes Lewis and Robert Tanyan, Robert Tanyan, one of the best young tight ends in the league, they combined for 50 yards receiving. So I think Travis Kelsey is a little bit of a different breed. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a different breed than Robert Yeah, Tanyan. He's a little different from 35-year-old Mercedes Lewis. Just <laughs> Yeah. But I think Travis Kelsey is going to be a factor in this game. He's a factor in every Chiefs game. So I don't – I'm not saying throw the stats out the window, but especially for the playoffs, I'm leaning towards saying throw those stats out the window. I really think the tied for seventh most touchdowns allowed to tight ends is really interesting. I think Travis Kelsey could rip off two to even three tight ends – or touchdowns in the game. So – now let's move on to the Bucks offense. We've got Tom Brady. Playoff Brady, baby. You cannot go wrong with Tom Brady in the playoffs. Making it to the Super Bowl for the cajillionth time. Limping. Limping to the Super Bowl. Right. Limping. Limping. Yes. That is the truth. In the regular season matchup, Kind of mediocre. I mean, he had 345 passing yards, three touchdowns, but he did throw two picks in that game, you know? So, and he was fighting back the entire game. I mean, yeah. one back against the wall. Yeah. Right. Game strip calls for you just tossing the field, the, the ball down the field. Those interceptions are going to come in a game like that. So far in the playoffs this year, Brady averaging 287 yards passing per game. He has seven touchdowns combined and three interceptions, but all three of those interceptions came in the Green Bay game. And Green Bay has a really talented secondary. So I don't think – your secondary was kind of showed up, though. In one side of their secondary was very showed up. Kevin King had one of the worst games that I've – you know, like an all-time – bad defensive game like right. just Mike Evans touchdown Scotty Miller touchdown PI call like just anything bad that could have happened happened for him Jair on the other side had two picks like no problem I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the guy that he was guarding only caught the ball I think he he didn't have very many targets and his targets or his matchups only had like two catches like he had a great game but I mean when you've got a guy like Brady and he sees a mismatch like that with a guy like Kevin King, he's going to exploit that, and that's exactly what he did, and that's why the Bucs were able to win. Yeah, definitely. Somewhat subpar stats from Brady in the playoffs, but it's now you've got – there's playoff Brady and then there's Super Bowl Brady. I think he's going to bring the heat this game, and he's got all his boys back. Antonio Brown's back this game. It'll be interesting to see what he does. Uh, over, under on 50 receiving yards for Antonio Brown this game. 350 receiving yards and seven touchdowns. Solid. It's, it's my Solid. bold prediction. All right, guys, put that one. For put, AB. Yeah, yeah, put that somewhere special because that's put what's your going to mo- Yeah, you. put your money. Go to Vegas. Put your money down. Put the house down. It's happening. Yeah. I mean, lock it in. Lock it in. Yeah. But obviously, now there's the argument that we've been talking about on the podcast a lot is you need an offense that can compete with KC. And I think Tampa Bay has a lot of the right pieces to compete with them offensively. And they've showed out during the regular season. So I think as far – that was a good talk with the Bills last week. And the Bills couldn't quite keep up. 
Yeah. But they started. They started quick. I thought like they came out and they hit them early, and which is exactly what you need to do with Kansas City because you need to put them in a hole. You got to put them right. in a hole early. And I, they were up. I think it was nine to nothing. I was like, "Are right, you got to score one more?" And I, I'm not feeling good, but I'm saying you got to score one more until you can be like, "Okay, now let's go back out and do it again." But they weren't able to. And eventually, once Kansas City was able to put the pressure on them, they did not stop, and Buffalo just was suffocated for the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, Stefan was held in check. I think I looked earlier. I don't have it with me right now, but I think he had like 77 receiving yards. And that was the first time that he had finished under 100 in a long time. So, and as far as Buffalo's passing offense, their options don't go far beyond Stefan. I mean, Stefan was carrying that passing game. Now, Cole Beasley's, I mean, Cole Beasley's a cool player and everything, but if you can stop Stefan, you're going to stop the passing game. But it's a different story with Tampa Bay. You've got Gronk, you've got Godwin, you've got Evans, you've got Antonio, and you've got a little bit of the running game. So as far as offense goes on paper, I think this might be the most eligible offense to compete with KC in the league. Yeah, it causes a lot of matchup problems because KC's secondary, like corners specifically, are not the greatest. And you've got three guys that have a matchup advantage over your corner. Like mm-hmm. – so, I mean, obviously they've got Honey Badger. They've got, you know, guys that can stuff the run pretty well. But with those three receivers out there, one of them's bound to have a big game because one of them's going to get matched up against a guy that is way worse than them. Right. One of them is going to have a very favorable matchup. And they got to figure out who that guy is early. They got to figure out how to exploit that. And if they can, that gives them a solid chance to win this game. Hopefully it's A.B. Love to mm-hmm. see him win a Super Bowl. Anywhere other than Pittsburgh, because that would make me happy. Right. But, yeah, I think the the Tampa Bay offense is going to need to have a big game from somebody mm-hmm. to be able to st- stay with Kansas City, because the Bucks defense, as good as it's played, yeah. you can't stop Kansas City. Right. I'll add on to that, and because I think you've got all three receivers, but a candidate – Maybe if you want to throw your money down on Rob, Rob Gronkowski, baby. I The stats in the regular season matchup, match my apologies, six catches, 106 yards. And the Kansas City defense has not been good against tight ends this year. They've allowed the fifth most yards to tight ends during the regular season. And putting up 100 yards, I mean, unless you're Travis Kelsey, that's pretty impressive during a regular season matchup. So I think we could see a big game out of Gronk here. I would love to see it, yeah. you know, Brady and Gronk going at it in what could be their last Super Bowl together. I would yeah. love to see it. Yeah. But they're going to need a big game from somebody and could be Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's coming in pretty hot. Against Green Bay, he finished with five catches and 110 yards. So, and he didn't play a lot during the regular season. He was banged up, but he's had an impressive postseason so far this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Now, somebody coming in struggling into this game, Mr. Mike Evans. Now, in the past two games, he's been held to a combined four catches and 54 yards against New Orleans and Green Bay. That's yeah. that's bad. I thought he was I thought he was slated for a big game. Like it looked like first drive, I think they hit him twice and one was the touchdown. And I was like, oh man. Yeah. Like this this could be bad quick because you know, he's got I thought that was – I thought King was a good matchup because King's kind of tall and Mike Evans is tall. 
And I really thought that was, you know, that was their plan. Put Jair on Godwin, put King on Evans and just hope for the best. But King just got, you know, embarrassed all game. So I think Evans, he could be the guy. I think, I think he's got a pretty solid chance to be the guy to have a big game. Yeah. Because I mean, he's a, he's a big play receiver. Like he's somebody that doesn't, didn't get talked about a lot for a much the beginning of his career because he was playing with some bad quarterbacks and he hasn't played as well with Brady as people hoped just because they've got so many guys that you can hit. And when we haven't even talked about Scotty Miller is another guy yeah. like they've, just, they've got four receivers that could, you know, easily give you a hundred yards and a right. tight end yeah, being thrown to by Brady. Like there's yeah. a lot that, there's a lot that KC's defensive coordinators got to look at this week. Right. And not to mention the running game. You've got two really solid running backs in Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Now, versus Green Bay, they had a combined 22 carries with only 71 yards. I anticipated a big game out of the running backs. Didn't get to see it. And I don't think they're going to go to the running backs in this game a whole lot just because of the game script. Score. Yeah. 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 You're going to need to score. So. I'm not looking for a big game out of it. But if they need to, they've got two solid running backs that they can go mm. to. So if you go down the line, it looks pretty nice for Tampa Bay, but I'm taking KC. I I think that's my official pick. I was we were talking a little bit before the show, and there was a little bit of back and forth, but I don't think I can bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and what they've done this year. It's it's difficult because I had I was talking to a friend of mine who, you know, may eventually end up on the show and I asked him about it. And I was like, without hesitation, he said Tampa Bay, like quickly, just give it wow. like throwing out the same stuff that I was throwing out, you know, with, you know, they lost both tackles the way that Tampa Bay's front seven was, you know, coming at Rogers last week. They're going to come the same way as Mahomes as they play very similarly. So <sighs> it's a tough pick. But I, I I can't doubt Kansas City. I can't. I just like the way that they can just flip it on and just go out. And as soon as they realize, oh, we're playing a good team this week, 35 points, like with no problem. Right. I also can't ignore the week 12 matchup that, you know, looked like the Tampa Bay didn't look like they were in the same league. Like yeah. it was it's exactly. like Tyreek Hill was running out there with high school guys. Like he was just the game wasn't over in the first half. It was over in the first quarter. Yeah. 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 And I was one of those lucky fantasy managers who had Tyreek and yeah. I was all about it. I was, couldn't be more excited. And that came at a crucial point in the season for me. I needed that yeah. win. So I'm all in on Tyreek Hill this week and I'm all in on the Chiefs. So I want to th throw a couple of prop bets out for this week. This is a little bit new, but I thought it'd be fun to do for our Super Bowl edition. So let me throw the stat lines out to you for Mahomes. Are you taking over or under on 327 and a half passing yards this week? I think I'm going to end up going over on that. Yeah, I'm definitely going. I'm also going over on the two and a half passing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. I think he should hit that. Me too. Pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I think like we were saying, game script is going to call for back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Mm -hmm. The running backs aren't going to be too involved. I think it's going to be an air raid. So I'll take the over as well on both those stat lines. So to move on to Tyreek Hill, over or under on 91 and a half receiving yards. I think he hits that over pretty easily as well. Really? 
Yeah, I think I think he's the one. He's the guy for Kansas State that has a big game. Like I know that you're, you know, that's who you're king in on. So then you know you got to be looking at you know Hardman, Demarcus Robinson just got put on COVID list. He didn't have a positive test, but he was just put on the list. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if he's going to go or not. But you know, you know, you got to look at other guys. But I think Tyree Kill is going to have a big game regardless. Yeah, I think it's something to consider that the Tampa Bay defense and Carlton Davis now, not specifically Carlton Davis, but the Tampa Bay defense in general has held the star receivers in the league in check in the playoffs so far. I think that's interesting. But like I said earlier, it's Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah. Tyreek Hill. Last time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, last time. So I'll take the over on that as well. So moving on to Travis Kelsey, over under 97 and a half receiving yards. I'm taking the under on that one. I, I just – I don't think he's going to have a very good game for some reason. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you look at the touchdowns, seven posts allowed by Tampa Bay. So – and middle of the pack as far as tight end pass – or tight end receiving yards allowed. So, yeah. I think it's definitely potential for Kelsey for a breakout. I think it seemed like he almost averaged 100 receiving yards all year. Yeah. And – I don't think there's no reason that they wouldn't go to Travis Kelsey in this game. I don't think so. I'm going to take the over on 97 and a half. Isn't it crazy that Tyreek Hill is set at 91 and a half. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. Kind of weird, but that's what Vegas gave me. So moving on to Mr. Tom Brady himself. Are you taking the over or the under on 296 and a half passing yards this week? I'm going under. I don't think it'll be a big game. Under like really? yards. I, I don't think it'll have a big game yards wise, but I think he could hit the over on passing touchdowns. Really? Dang. I'm definitely taking the over on 296 and a half passing yards. And potentially his last Super Bowl. He's not I think he's gonna air it out. Man, what like I and I know that obviously the game plan was flipped a little bit after halftime, but first half. If, if he continued from what I saw last week in the first half into the second half, I would have no problem with that. But in the second half, I watched him overthrow three to four, three or four times that weren't even picked, not even counting the three picks that he had. He did not look good at all. He let the Packers nearly let the Packers back into that game. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's, it's weird for me to say out loud that I don't trust Brady, but yeah, I, I don't I know. Think- if he, I don't know if he hits that number. Right. I think you got a good point there. I'm going to take the over. You're taking the under. The over-under on passing touchdowns is two and a half. I'll also take the over on that. Yeah, I'll take the over there, too. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, Mike Evans, like we said, coming in, struggling into this game. The over-under set at 62 and a half receiving yards. What are you taking? He's so boomer bust. I think he may bust. I, I don't know. Me, too. It's, it, he's obviously – like I said, extremely boomer bust, so he could very well hit this, but I'm going to take the under on it. Yeah. I think Mike Evans is one of those guys. He could finish with three touchdowns and 30 receiving yards. Yeah. They he's go to them in the red zone them. all the time. I think at one point this he had a, like, two-touchdown game with, like, seven receiving yards. Yeah. Mike Evans is one of those players. I will take the under on that as well. I mean, he's coming struggling into this game, and, yeah, I'll take the under on that. Now, Mr. Chris Godwin, over under on 71 and a half receiving yards. I think I'm going to take the over there because I think like they're going to they're going to focus on Evans a lot because he mm-hmm. is a bigger physical mismatch for whoever they've got and mm-hmm. Godwin could get he's going to get a lot more run after catch opportunities. 
which I think could be, you know, fruitful in this game. So I'm definitely taking over on him. Yeah, I'll take the over on Godwin. If I'm leaning towards Evans not having a big game, the other guy is going to have a big game. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll do the over on 71 and a half receiving yards for Godwin. Now, don't get me wrong. Like we were saying, the game script is going to call for a lot of passing. Both of these guys could finish over 80 yards receiving. You know, I think that's possible, but probable leaning towards not as probable. So, and I mentioned this earlier, but this is a kind of personal one. I didn't get this off of Vegas, but over under on 50 receiving yards for Antonio Brown. Realistically, not the 350 (laughs) receiving yards and seven touchdowns, but... I'd like to see it. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'd love to see it. I, I wouldn't put money on it, but I'd like to see it happen. Yeah. I don't think too. it will. I think maybe Scotty Miller might be more likely to hit the 50 yeah. yards receiving mark. But I don't know. Antonio's had some good game this year. Why not in the Super Bowl? You know? uh, I'll be wearing my AB jersey. It's, it's AB or Le'Veon for Super Bowl MVP, or I'm going to be highly upset. <laughs> Understood. Understood. So I think that just about covers us for this week. So take our prop bets with a grain of salt, but enjoy the weekend. Super Bowl weekend is always fun. So stay close to the families, all that good stuff. And I don't know if any of you saw our Instagram announcement, but we're going to start releasing our podcast more towards the beginning of the week just because it's more conventional as far as school-wise goes for me and school-wise goes for Jaden. And it gives you all week to listen to the podcast. So there's no excuse not to listen is what we're saying. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So with that, we'll catch you later. Enjoy Super Bowl weekend.